first Christmas that we spent together as a family. We lived in Oklahoma when we got married, and we would travel for all of our vacations. We would either travel to her folks' house in Rockford, Illinois, which was 750 miles away, or we would drive to my folks' house in Billings, Montana, which was 1,550 miles away. So we were constantly traveling for either Thanksgiving or Christmas and holidays. And we remember that first time when the girls were probably somewhere in that 8, 6, and 4 range that we decided, all right, stop. (laughs) We're going to have our own Christmas as a family at our house. And it was such a special time. It marked such a special time in our family's life that um, I guess we felt grown up, finally, um, that we could have our own Christmas. Um, We did miss, you know, our family for sure, because that's what Christmas is all about is family. But uh, it was a very special time, and I'm just kind of reminded of that tonight, because this is a special time. We're all going to look back and say, man, look what God's done. Look what God's done. It brought us together as a family. It's really, really exciting. I don't want to take much of your time tonight, because I know you guys probably have, uh, hopefully, big meals planned and lots of family games and things like that. Um, it'd be a shame to, to drive to like Arlie or someplace tonight and, and not you know spend time with family here. Um, but but <laughs> I want you to realize I want to talk about tonight. Christmas is not just about lights and tinsels, tinsel, but it also reminds us that God keeps His promises. I know it might not look like it sometimes when the world's going crazy around us, uh, but God is always working on our behalf for good. And He will always do what He promises. Just three chapters into our existence, at the very beginning of the Bible, God announces that one day Jesus will come. Adam and Eve have sinned against God, but despite that sin, God turns around and He makes a promise to them. He promises them right then. He doesn't, con- he doesn't condemn them. He doesn't get mad at them. He promises that he will one day, he will one day bring a Savior. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, with Eve listening on, God tells Satan, who appeared in the form of a serpent, this is what he says. He says, I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, and between your seed, offspring, and her seed, And he shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. Now, many of us read that as, that's just snakes, okay? And I I don't know about you, but I'm afraid of snakes. So it's like, yeah, you know, anytime I see a snake, I'm crushing. I'm, you know, I want to, well, actually not. I'm I'm either shooting or throwing a, 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 a something at him. I'm not really getting close enough to crush him with my heel. But that's not what this verse is really talking about. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus coming to earth. Satan would bruise Jesus on the cross thinking that he had fatally wounded him, that he had killed him. But in turn, Jesus would be risen from the dead and destroy the power of Satan. He would strip him of his power and give dominion back to man the way it was originally set up to begin in the beginning. In Genesis, we read about Abraham. Abraham was such a man of faith. He believed in God no matter what. God speaks to him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. This is what he says. He says, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you abundantly. Now remember, at this time, Abraham had no children, and he was quite old in, in years. It says, And I will make your name great, exalted, distinguished, and you shall be blessed. You shall be a blessing. 
a source of great good to others. And I will bless, do good for, benefit those who bless you. And I will curse, that is, subject to my wrath and judgment, the one who curses, despises, dishonors, has contempt for you. And in, all, and in you, all the families, nations of the earth will be blessed. This was promising Abraham that Jesus would one day come. Jesus the Messiah comes through Abraham's lineage. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and King David. Isaiah the prophet lived over 700 years before Christ was even born. But he prophesied about Jesus' coming to earth. It says in chapter 53 of Isaiah, it says, For he, the servant of God, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no stately form or majestic splendor that, he would look, that we would look at him, nor handsome appearance that we would be attracted to him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and pain, and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not appreciate his worth or esteem him. But in fact, he, was born our, he has borne our griefs, and he has carried our sorrows and pains. Yet we ignorantly assumed that he was stricken, struck down by God and degraded and humiliated by him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes or wounds, we are healed. 700 years before a baby was born in a manger and is declared to be Christ the Savior, this was what was promised from God. See, God has promised from the very beginning that He would send a Savior. And Christmas reminds us that He keeps His promises. He would send someone that is perfect love. He would send someone as a Savior. He would send someone that we could put our hope in, our confident expectation in. He promised that He would send a Redeemer that would crush Satan. And set us free. He kept that promise in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago with the birth of his son. See, Jesus wasn't stately or majestic. He was not a king that people would be attracted to. The Jewish people even missed it completely. They were looking for somebody that was going to be born in a, in a, in a, a castle. And, and the, all the pomp and circumstance that would come with that. But Jesus was born in a stable, and it was a a meager, uh, humble birth, but he brought the promise of salvation to us. The promise that one day a Savior would come, not to demand we follow a set of rules, not an overbearing king that demands we perform in order to obtain his love, but a servant that would be wounded for our sins and would ultimately set us free from our sins with his blood. See, Christmas time is a time of hope, joy and peace and love. But it's also a reminder that God keeps his promises and that his love will stop at nothing to have a relationship with you. Go ahead and stand up with me as the worship team comes back. If you don't mind, in these last few moments, if everybody would please bow your heads. If you've never given your life to Jesus, there's no better time. On this Christmas Eve as we're together as family. We're just family here. 
you can accept that free gift. Jesus doesn't want you to follow a bunch of rules. Jesus doesn't want to make you do something you don't want to do. He wants to walk beside you and guide you. He wants to make a way for you to have a loving, close relationship with the Father. All you need to do is admit that you've missed the mark. We've all missed the mark. It says all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. But the cool thing is, is, is we, can just, we can admit that and we can ask Him to be our Savior and take the lead in our lives. No one looking around, I'm going to, I'm not going to try to embarrass you, but I have to ask, if you haven't given your life to God, if you haven't said, Jesus, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own, I'm tired of trying to make my own way, but I know that you've got my best interests in mind. If you've, if you've never done that and you'd like to do that tonight, just raise, simply raise your hand. If you find yourself on this Christmas Eve estranged from God, you're once in love with Him, but the cares of this world and, and maybe doubt has slipped in. It's okay. God's not angry with you. God's not mad at you. God's not a mad God. He's a loving God. He loves you immensely. He wants the best for you. If you find yourself in that that position and you want to mend that relationship, just simply raise your hand tonight and tell him that. Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for your love. I thank you for promising throughout the generations, throughout the years, you've promised to send a Savior, and you did. You sent Jesus to redeem us. Father, thank you that we can look at Christmas and know that you are a God of your word, that you keep your word. We can look in the Bible and see your promises and we can say, thank you. We know that they are yes and we say the amen. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you that that you love us and that you first gave Jesus so that we can in turn give each other good gifts. We can love each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.